so for a more formal introduction of our speakers today and a little bit about their talk, I am happy to turn it over to my colleague Aaliyah Brown, the Assistant Director of Adhume. This talk is co-sponsored with Adhume, as is the Wikipedia Edathon that will be happening right afterwards. So please uh, welcome Aaliyah. So again, thank you all for coming. Um, I'll introduce the Black Lunch Table. So Heather Hart here, based in Brooklyn. Heather Hart was an artist in residence at Joan Mitchell Center, Nicole Center for, of Art, Innovation, Bemis Center for Art, LMCC Workspace, Robert Blackburn Printmaking Workshop, Santa Fe Art Institute, Fine Arts Work Center, and at the Whitney ISP. She is interested in creating site-specific liminal spaces for personal reclamation and questioning dominant narratives and proposing alternatives to them. Hart received grants from Anonymous Was a Woman, Joan Mitchell Foundation, Harpo Foundation, Jerome Foundation, and a fellowship from NYFA. Her work has been included in a variety of publications and exhibited worldwide, including at Storm King Sculpture Park, Socrates Sculpture Park, Seattle Art Museums, Olympic Sculpture Park, Studio Museum in Harlem, ICA Philadelphia, Art in General, the Drawing Center, PS1 MoMA, Museum of Arts and Crafts in Itama, Portland Art Center in the Brooklyn Museum. She studied at Cornish College of the Arts in Seattle and Princeton University in New Jersey and received her MFA from Rutgers, New Jersey. University of New Jersey. So that's Heather. Um, then Jenna Valentine, based in Chicago. Jenna is an associate professor of print media at the School of Art Institute of Chicago. Her interdisciplinary practice is informed by the intuitive strategies of American folk artists and traditional craft techniques and interweaves history laden with found texts, objects, narratives, and spaces. She has exhibited at venues including the Drawing Center, the Studio Museum in Harlem, the Q Foundation, MCA Chicago, the DeRosa Preserve, Southern Exposure, and Marlborough Gallery. She has participated in residencies at the Atlantic Center for the Arts, Women's Studio Workshop, Sculpture Space, and the Santa Fe Art Institute, um, in the City Institute in Paris, Joan Mitchell Center in New Orleans, in the Banff Center in Alberta. Her work has received recognition and support from the North Carolina Arts Council Grant, Arts Matters Foundation, and the Institute for the Arts and Humanities at UNC. Jenna received her BFA from Carnegie Mellon and her MFA from Stanford University. Please welcome the Black Watch Table. Sorry. Okay, 
Okay, let's try that again. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you can go ahead. Okay. Uh, thank you, Susan and Alia and everyone here at the MITH. Do you guys say myth? Or yes. Yes, yes, thank you. It's been mythic <laughs> for inviting us and coordinating to make this happen. Um, and sincere thanks to the foundations who provided fiscal support for this engagement. And we'd also like to thank Creative Capital and the Wikimedia Foundation for their ongoing support of Black Lunch Table. Hi, I'm Heather Hart. Um, I was born in Seattle and now live in Brooklyn. Uh, my sculptural forms are an exploration of liminal space. I'm interested in the enigmatic nature of forms that exist simultaneously inside, outside, underground, visible, private, public, between safety and chance, minimalism and handmade, between the spiritual and the natural. These in-between places reflect the complicated nature of understanding and self and each other. Most African-Americans are descended from people who had no physical space of their own when they landed on this continent. We kept the oral tradition of storytelling alive to maintain our culture, claiming a non-physical space of our own. This oral tradition, a liminal space, seeds my work. The content of my sculptures may transform depending on who experiences it and their perception, which is what happens with legends as they're handed down in their oral tradition. I want to encourage viewers to relate with my work through their own physical interactions. I make environments that direct viewers to become participants, and I believe people listen better when they are included in the process of discovery. And hi, I'm Gina Valentine. This is my little dude from four years ago. <laughs> he is now, he just turned seven. Um, I'm from Philadelphia, but I live in Chicago. I'm an artist, a writer, professor, and mother. Uh, the maternal desire to cultivate the best of all possible worlds for my son spills over into my studio practice. My recent work was inspired by my inability to empathize with mothers who have lost their police to <laughs> lost their children to police violence. I cannot imagine losing my own son, nor can I conjure the language to explain these deaths to him. Reaching the limit of what is comprehensible, the words in newspaper accounts become pure form. In all my works, new inquiries are catalyzed by meditation on my specific experience of a common sentiment. What's my connection to the current zeitgeist? What's left unsaid? My project's origins are generally pretty personal, but they're tied to popular narratives. I like to do rambling, extensive, rabbit hole diving research. These are uh, the most heavily gerrymandered districts in the country, some of them. I like theories about the archive, language, memory, and identity. I'm drawn to information that's esoteric, idiosyncratic, um, vernacular, to the pop cultural, to the a priori. And I'm also a paper maker, and I'm currently making paper eating ink. <laughs> Our individual practices intersect in a number of mutual interests. Storytelling, the production and promotion of legacies, and conducting social experiments. We met in 2005 at the Skowhegan School of Painting and Sculpture, where we collaborated on the first staging of the Black Lunch Table. We began the project as tricksters, wondering what would happen if we segregated a purportedly idyllic space so that it mimicked spaces we had experienced in real, in real life. We thought about perception and self-identification. 
claiming the space reified her presence in the community and also exposed the problematics around who has a seat at the table. There, we mold over ideas of civic responsibility, auto-segregation, and cultural gatekeepers. The event catalyzed waves of conversation with our excluded white friends around its apparent subversion and disruption, teasing out issues related to the privileges they ha lived with daily. That first convening echoes in, our, in each of our lives and evolved into a number of forms, including video chat salons with five different colleges when we each found ourselves one of very few black graduate students in our art programs. We also went on to host co-teaching workshops, social meetups, roundtables, and Wikipedia edit-a-thons. So the Black Lunch Table's primary aim is the production of discursive sites, wherein cultural producers engage in dialogue on a variety of critical issues. Through these events, we seek to mobilize a democratic rewriting of contemporary cultural history by animating discourse around and among the people living that history. Authoring the dominant nar historical narrative means determining who is other and the terms by which they are treated as such. And the Black Lunch Table we see as a critical gesture to disrupt that narrative. The significance of Black Lunch Tables and lunchrooms is specific to those who choose to participate in its formation and to those whom it necessarily excludes. Their existence within otherwise public spaces marks a self-segregation, residual of our country's history of sanctioned segregation. Organized around literal and metaphorical lunch tables, our project takes this phenomenon as its starting point. Whether or not you've sat at a black lunch table, its formation is universally recognized. And so the space we name the black lunch table is immediately bound up with all those associations. Our project consists of roundtable sessions, Wikipedia edit-a-thons, and an online oral history archive. Our roundtable sessions provide both physical space and allotted time for interdisciplinary and intergenerational discussions, bringing together a diversity of community members and fostering candid conversations. Participants are provided with conversation prompts, and the auto, audio recorded at each table will be added to our online archive. At the artist table, our founding initiative, we curate cultural producers of the African diaspora into roundtable discussions. Providing space to discuss critical issues strengthens the bond within our nebulous community and validates shared concerns through exchange. The event format is based around storytelling and participants engage in critical conversation relative, relevant, relevant, <laughs> relevant to the discussion of art by black artists. By generating a dialogue among artists of the African diaspora in, per in partnership with institutions of record, we are highlighting contingencies in the art world already at play. And by involving institutions, uh, that's redundant. <laughs> The point of the slide is that writing the record has become everyone's charge. Uh, this is a segment of audio from our 2015 Artists Roundtable at the Black Artists Retreat in Dorchester at Dorchester Projects in Chicago. participating in ethnicity-based survey shows. 
as at many other institutions, if you have a show that has an amount of black artists in it, many institutions are still saying, this black artist, this artist, and basing everything in it and how it relates to race, identity, culture. And I think what we are allowed to do, because that's, that's a given. There's, you know, in the various realms and the stretches of the word black and what it means, those are the artists we're working with. But then, great, everyone knows that, so then we can actually get into this deeper conversation. Mm -hmm. yeah. And this idea is around other ways that people are working and the topics and how it's... So I think of it, I it's it's a freedom in a way that mm -hmm. loosens those other restrictions that people put on themselves, I think. In 2014, the Black Lunch Table Project, or the Black Lunch Table People's Table Session was conceived of as a response to the deaths of Mike Brown and Eric Garner, among other unarmed black men, as well as the non-indictment of their police assailants in collaboration with artists at UN and UNC professor Hong An Trung. Uh, the People's Table is a community roundtable session and is open to everyone. Discussing prompts that, oh sorry, discussing, discussion prompts address issues related to local and national socio-political issues. This session cross-pollinates discourse amongst community constituents and fosters productive new relationships to continue the movement for dismantling institutional racism. The People's Table discussions now intend to catalyze community dialogue around both national and international socio-political issues affecting historically disenfranchised populations. The People's Table hopes to make visible the division. Sorry, some of our slides got a little jumbled up here. Um, Go for it. So, our series of uh, so these this series of lunch table discussions brings together artists, activists, academics, high school and university students, politicians, and local and local community members who represent various constituencies and allow for candid conversations to take place. Um, we record all of these conversations too, and we'll also add them to the online oral history archive. Um, this one I think was the first one that we did, and back then it was called hashtag Black Lives Matter table. And it was at this moment in 2014 where we realized we were sort of straddling a bunch of different discourses that were all happening. So the playground group and the group in various departments in universities and activist circles and artist circles, and we were all talking about this moment, but in very different ways. So we're like, what if we bring them all together? <laughs> Yeah, but it really depends on the community. If you're existing in a space that you feel threatened, 
by those who live there, mm -hmm. uh, segments of, of the population who live there. It's a very different situation. You know, and while I appreciate unarmed mediation, it doesn't necessarily mean that uh, it, it doesn't necessarily mean nonviolent. It just means that you're unarmed. What do you understand unarmed mediation to be? I'm imagining the ability to go in and uh, try to issues before they become problematic. But I think in most communities, though, many problems already exist. So how do we tackle those problems where they are first? And where, how do we approach people where they are rather than where we want them to be? When I think about the possibility of, of unarmed mediation, I actually am thinking about community governance mm -hmm. um, and our ability to kind of govern ourselves and take care of each other and hold each other accountable. Before releasing around nonsense, like a kid in my neighborhood with a little bit of weed getting slammed on the ground. Mm -hmm. Depending on how it's criminalized, your ability to be civically engaged in the state, to get a job, to get housing, exactly, is tethered to that. And what happens if a kid who somehow haphazardly gets caught up in the system before they even are of age to vote by some criminalized, not minuscule thing? They get pushed out of their ability to be fully engaged. ultimately house all Black Lunch Table related content and aggregate the other and aggregate other online projects. Uh, the oral history archive 
we are building was begun at UNC Chapel Hill in collaboration with folks at the Digital Innovation Lab and continues with a small team. Currently, the beta version of Black Lunch Table houses a sample set of recorded, transcribed, and metadata tagged dialogues from a dozen roundtable events. We're working with programmers to develop an archive that can be sourced via relational metadata, and are discussing integrating the archive and the discussion prompts used in our roundtables into classroom settings. This is a visualization <laughs> of how the various topics tagged in discussion maps uh, discussions map to each other. The database is searchable by a variety of terms including participant institution, location, date, discussion topics. We've been discussing the possibilities for integrate, integrating linked online data into our archive with a team member and database architect Ryan Horn. Ryan could not join us today unfortunately, um, possibly via satellite a little bit later, but he's recently noted um, the following about the project and its significance. Um, should I try to do a Ryan impression? <laughs> the, so Ryan had said, the Black Lodge Table Archive is unique, is a unique and innovative fusion of linked open data principles, network-based interface and analysis, and user-generated content and curation. As with its creation of physical spaces that foster community and generate critical dialogue, the archive provides a digital space for community-driven, a community-driven approach to art, historical authorship, and discourse on black studies and social justice issues. He continues, we wish to create, in essence, a browsable network of linked concepts which show the relation not only to individual artists and projects, but to broader, a broader discourse unfolding within online spaces. Through using community-created tags and relationships, we make it possible to use social network analysis, SNA, software to, and methodologies to explore how the different topics found in the BLT archive relate to one another, and to express those relationships through our archive's user interface. Instead of a simple search box, which leads to a collection of results like a traditional audio archive, users can type in a topic of interest and actually see the amount of time it, times it is pres present in each of the discussions and the other topics which are closely associated with it. Combined with user-generated tags, this, this archive facilitates both a curated and organic development of authorship and content interpretation, which conforms to accepted LOD principles. This allows our archive to automatically share, retrieve, and present data to other projects and archival systems to further enhance and democratize the creation of digital spaces and records. Building upon this foundation, we envision the, creative, the creation of a digital ecosystem where artists and digital products, projects can freely share and connect their work and data, whatever form it may be with topics which are of interest to a larger community surrounding social justice, race, and art. In the next version, in the next version, we want it to be possible to search within the transcripts for specific words and to follow the text along, along with the audio. So this was a, a prototype that a researcher at UNC had been developing um, with the Digital Innovation Lab there. Um, 
Also, hey, Ryan. Ryan Shaw. As we researched models for the BLT archive to house the recorded audio, we noted that many significant black artists were omitted from art historical archives and from the world's most widely referenced encyclopedia. Our Wikipedia project redresses these omissions by mobilizing a collective authoring on a specific set of articles, specifically those which pertain to the lives and works of black artists. While Wikipedia is an open source platform, wherein anyone has an equal voice to write in writing and editing historical records, recent studies show that about 91% of Wikipedia editors are male and about 77% are white. This is why we wiki. We are actively cultivating a more diverse editorship in addition to encouraging editors in the majority demographic to focus on marginalized or omitted subject matter. When we began our Wikipedia project in 2014, um, such important figures as Fred Moten, Meshach Gaba, uh, Peggy Cooper Kaffritz, and Valerie Castle Oliver were all without pages. Five years later, each person has a page that began as a BLT target. Our editathons mobilized the creation of an improvement of Wikipedia articles that pertain to the lives and works of notable black visual artists. At each edit-a-thon, we provide a list of suggested artists to add or edit with particular focus on black artists who have worked within or are local to the host institution's community and are currently underdocumented on Wikipedia. These artists are added to our, over, uh, added to our ever-growing list of focus articles or tests, which is now over 1,100 people long. And the people in the red mean that they don't have a Wikipedia article, people in the blue mean that they need some improvement. Let's see again. <laughs> no. Yeah. Thanks. And organizing edit-a-thons um, empowers people ultimately with the knowledge that there is no history that is static. So this is a picture that I love because it's this woman making her very first edit. It worked! <laughs> <laughs> We've also realized that there's a lot of lack of visual representation of these same artists. To increase the visibility of notable artists, and because we are artists with photo backgrounds as well, BLT's photo initiative in invites professional photographers to host a photo booth at our edit-a-thons and invites local artists to have their photos taken. The photos are uploaded to the open license platform, Wiki Commons, and can be used on artists' Wikipedia articles. We are having a photo contest right now, virtually, so check our page on Wiki um, to contribute. Mm -hmm. So the future, we have plans. Um, let's see, in the future, our, our full archive at blacklunchtable.com and blacklunchtable.org will replace our beta launch, um, and it will host all of the hundreds of hours of recorded audio with transcripts and metadata tagging. 
Um, you can also check our website for upcoming roundtables. Um, we do roundtables in our home cities of New York and Chicago, but just as often we are traveling around, our next engagements are in Charlotte, North Carolina, um, for roundtables. Um, you can join us for a Wikipedia workshop just after this session this afternoon. Um, we also have information on the wiki page about monthly meetups, which are once a month on Sunday. Um, and also our photo contest that's running. We have an opportunity to win a mass amount of swag and other special prizes. Um, generously donated. Generously donated prizes. Um, yeah. Anything else? Bye, Mama. Um, yeah, so check our meetup page. Come to the Edit-a-thon afterwards. Um, we do have Ryan on the line to chat with us in collaboration of answering any questions you might have. Let's can we switch to Bitly. Hmm? Bitly, black lunch table meet. Bitly, black lunch table meet. So if anyone has questions, we're happy to answer. Thank you. Thank you so much for your talk. Are you guys familiar with the new depict statement that's now in Wikipedia Commons? The what now? Um, there's a new depict statement that you can, that's a new feature on Wikipedia Commons. Are you familiar with that? The depict statement, I'm not sure. Oh, so they're developing this new tool in Wikipedia Commons where people can actually add metadata to the actual photos. So yeah. I was thinking about your project yeah, with the no, artist. Yeah, um, Andrew Lee, I think, spearheaded that initiative. Oh, really? Awesome. But I was wondering if it could be a really interesting thing, thinking about all the conversations that have been had about women in the arts and the lack of women in different museum collections and different art collections, sort of figuring out a way to support the work that you're doing to, to make these artists more visible, but also engage in the community to add more metadata so that these people are more searchable and easier Absolutely. to find. Absolutely. I mean, there's so many, um, so many possibilities with the wiki. Um, yeah, if you want to collaborate on something like that, let's connect afterwards. And I also I wanted to add another question about sort of um, dealing with accessibility in terms of your website and difficulty, because you're dealing with sort of all these sort of different ways of accessing knowledge, right? You have audio, mm -hmm. you've got transcriptions, you've got visual means, and sort of how you guys sort of work around all that stuff. How, how we work around it. Um, in terms of making sure that everything is as accessible and as, <laughs> as, as possible. I think that, yeah, but let's get Ryan on too. Okay. Um, I, think, I think in general, um, we, we both come at digital humanities and academia from a visual artist's point of view. And I think that basically has been the frame to, um, the inception of, I guess, the diversity of how we platform our work so far. Um, and until very recently, it was really just, you know, an art project that Gina and I made. And last year we got our 501c3. And so now we're being able to bring in other voices with their specialties and thinking about like how the project is unique in that way. Um, and there are different entry points. And that's been a priority for all of us, I think. You know, I want my brother to be able to understand the same content that like my grad professors did, you know? Um, and I want 
people who aren't able to physically be at the lunch tables to be able to have an entry point that is not just a voyeur, but can be maybe dynamic in some way. Um, so we have a billion dreams and goals for like how to fractal and grow those initiatives. Um, and we're at the baby stage right now. <laughs> I don't know if you have anything to add to it, that. No, I'm just trying to get access to the internet. <laughs> um, no, but uh, we have also just talked about like, um, speaking of fractals, the different ways that that information can appear on our archive too. So thinking about different points of entry on within the website. Um, so should the language, the website language right now read fairly academic, why is that a default? Doesn't need to be that way. It should not be that way, probably. Um, but there should be a way to access that, that level of um, information as well. Um, Ryan, our, we're trying to get in touch with, um, has also been working to post to share everything to GitHub um, as well. I mean, there is sort of a back end Thank portal you. for developers who are interested in interfacing with him or understanding how the our archive is constructed on that level too. Um, Sorry. That's cool. Um, I guess the last thing that I would add is that, um, so we had a, a retreat last year, and a lot of our team, I think is maybe a full generation younger than us, <laughs> which is crazy. But it's great, though, because they have so many ideas and so many different ways of thinking Thank about you. what the project could be um, and how it could be relevant to yeah. audiences that we haven't really even considered. So, Okay. Yeah, I think it's just important for us that um, we don't ghettoize the project into academia, which is so easy to do with so many things that we work on. But yeah. Okay. Oh, wait, thank how you. do I get that on the screen? Oh. Ah. Sorry. Yep. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. to the woman who was in the purple who just stepped out um, about who is also doing the tagging of our transcripts. So we have a team of, well, it's the same team. So um, young black artists and writers, mostly, right? Um, who are listening to the audio and transcribing it and then also going back and listening to it and assigning various metadata tags. So, like, what are they talking about here? We're in, we as a team are going to decide this is what they're talking about. And that happens on multiple levels, too. So, multiple people will go back and say, actually, they're also talking about this or this or this thing, too. Um, and Ryan, if we can get him on the computer, can also talk about how we are working to, working with, um, Library of Congress. Which is apparently Switch Wi-Fi networks again. Sorry. <laughs> do you have other questions? I do. Um, thank you again for this wonderful talk. I'm really glad to hear you all kind of explain the public facing work that you do. Um, I think at one point you described your work as redress, and mm. I thought that was interesting. So, like thinking beyond adding black artists and your work to like this public landscape. Are there other ways that you think about your work as redress? Oh. <laughs> Wait, me personally in my own work? Or? Yeah. 
first started talking about the archive, we, you know, we were thinking about what we didn't have access to, or what we thought artists, who we thought artists were, and what we thought art was. And you know, we went to Rutgers and Carnegie Mellon for undergrad, and thought that we had fairly decent art history backgrounds. But you know, we realized afterward that there was so much missing, right? And um, I think part, a huge thrust of this project is redressing and making that information available to younger us, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, so there's a question also about how our practice is maybe subversive. Yeah, you can speak to that too. Oh, okay. Um, I, so I think I said that, you know, I'm a paper maker and I'm also making paper making ink, paper eating ink. Um, so I make this work that I, I know is not going to last. Um, so it also challenges commercial gallery systems that are in place. And so what does it mean to well, trust me with this space and the resources of your space, um, knowing that you're taking a huge risk and selling this? I actually don't know what will happen to the work in 100 years. Test again. Hello. Okay, yeah. So it's only coming through the laptop speaker. Maybe we can. Technical difficulties. One second. But I think also with the Wikipedia oh, project, you know, we're talking about the demographic of dedicated Wikipedia editors being very largely um, middle-aged white men um, who have the means. Ideally, yeah. So the way that we um, do meta tags and um, transcription is always with more than one set of eyes, always brown people. Um, and, and so the meta tags may have, um, like, you might conceive of a section of audio um, with a certain amount of terms and 
you know, the next person might think about it a little bit differently. And I feel like historically that's where, you know, um, she was talking about the Library of Congress having problems with authorship in that way. So we try to disrupt that by having multiple authors and, um, and maybe, again, never being static about that. So there might be um, metadata, metadata tags created in perpetuity. Um, Ryan was talking about adding to that um, perception a bot that would also um, add tags um, just to kind of disrupt the, the patterns. Um, and then we're also thinking about um, using the model that SoundCloud has to have crowdsourced commenting and tagging onto our audio. So big ideas, technically almost within our reach. <laughs> um, so Ryan, we're, we just talked a little bit about um, the aspects that you're helping us with and so opened it up to questions. Any other questions? sort of a half-formed question at best, but part of what I think is so captivating about the, the in-person black lunch table spaces is this kind of conversational, multi-perspective kind of, you know, look at these things. And so I'm thinking about, are you sort of very consciously trying to replicate that in your sort of digital platform? Or is this a kind of just a reflection of the in-person space? Because also, I guess the thing that's on my mind is right the ways that we don't own platforms like Twitter, mm -hmm. and we can't really control it to have a good conversation there. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering if you're thinking about this as a space where you can kind of try to cultivate the same sorts of conversations that you're able to have, or similar or cognate conversations that you're able to have in person. Yeah, do you want to say anything, Brian? Yeah, we, uh, we definitely are. I mean, part of the, uh, the idea of linked open, open data and all of that is that we can actually um, have these conversations occurring in an electronic way so that, say, different projects that are talking about the same kind of thing, we all know that we're talking about the same kind of thing. And that we'll be actually, by linking together, we're actually kind of replicating that space digitally. So that, like, if you have a project about um, uh, uh, the, uh, there's a good one in LA about million dollar hoods, they call it. You know, where it's, it's all about um, gentrification, about different kinds of uh, community aspects. And uh, if we're talking about community, they're talking about community. We're actually making a digital space where, you know, people can bring bring that together and actually do that. So that that'd be one thing. The other thing is the uh, tags themselves because it is people who are able to generate the tags and actually um, you know, offer them as, oh, this is how I'm interpreting this conversation or having it. We're kind of building that infrastructure in place there as well. I mean, it's inevitably a different platform, but I think our objectives are the same. Our concerns are the same. The idea of being self-authored in some framework is the same. Yeah, I think we like to think that we're, we're not just creating content for the archive, but we're also changing the structure of our archive, that through linked open data, we can change the structure of other archives as well, like how our project and how our content is talked about, how it's organized, how it's discovered. Um, we were, again, talking about like things that you just can't find within archives, physical or online, because of the way that they're um, tagged and organized and described, right? And the authorship that mm -hmm. something, so earlier, just to catch you up, um, we were talking about 
um, the problematics of the authorship that Library of Congress has and the bureaucracy that it has to evolve that language mm -hmm. and the tags they have. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe you can talk a little bit about like how we're thinking about the Library of Congress and linking. Yeah, um, as Gina and Heather were mentioning, the uh, Library of Congress has a lot of um, archaic, and that's a nice way of putting it, and actually downright offensive um, the tags for, for concepts and data which are still out there. And a lot of them that they may not be aware of how offensive some of these terms have become. Mm -hmm. And through linking to them, I mean, it's just, it's part of our linkages. They're not, we're not describing those things in the same way, but we're letting people know that this is happening. And so that if we have a concept, we link, we find it in Library of Congress, and wow, that's, that's problematic. People who are contributing to the tags can tell us, oh, this is why it's problematic. We'll have a discussion about you know, it's actually kind of interesting. Why is this a, a problem? Why is this an issue? And then from that, we can say, well, this Library of Congress tag, you know, whatever LC21538, I'm just making up a number, but you get the idea. And we can have a nice collection of them and say, well, here's the community, here's what these tags mean to us, and here's what um, the subject headings are saying and why this is problematic. And that can actually be automated, semi automated, that we can send these out to the Library of Congress. Or we can actually contact people there through things like the um, World Lamb Summit and, the, and these kind of personal relationships and tell them, hey, hey look at this. And so, and so there's really, yeah, again, two ways to do it, one automatic, one person to person. But yeah, there's, <laughs> as we've seen with some, uh, the, some of these associations, the Library of Congress is good but problematic. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Any other questions? A, a comment based on because the library and I was thinking that when Tahira was talking about it, it takes so long, and you all are jumping ahead of the game. But with you know, where's the timeline, and how do you deal with that timeline between when you all come up with something that also I have this idea like you realize you're creating a controlled vocabulary to replace their controlled vocabulary. Mm -hmm. But how do you deal with that? lag in between and then by the time they finally get around to it um, well things have changed because everything's changing so quickly and you all are really pushing the envelope with that I mean the beauty is we we're actually not waiting or being slowed down by the library conference no. so um, I don't know if people are yeah looking because it's linked if people are looking for terms maybe they just pop over to the black lunch table site <laughs> I don't know maybe Ryan has a difference compared to the number of people at Wikipedia. Um, 
But um, I, I really like how democratic that is. So thinking that you know there are rules within Wikipedia, but that it is possible to talk about you know, opening things up and changing the um, the, the language that just, that's used to describe things within Wikipedia. But as far as like the pace too, like Ryan, are you concerned about um, how slow something like the Library of Congress is compared to what we want to impact? Um, not really, because and that's one of the uh, big strengths of the leaked data approach is that we're in a way making our own ontology with our tagging system of what we're producing, and that we're you know and we're offering it out there. And what we're doing is just basically crosswalking that. So you know. Here's our black lunch table idea about, say, the concept of community. Here's what it means to us. Here's what it means to maybe associated projects that are using the IDs that we're sharing. And here's what it means to Library of Congress Wikipedia. And so, yeah, it's, it's slow to get those changes, but because we are setting up, again, our own nice, nice little system, we, with those changes, we can incorporate them when they happen, but we can push ahead you know, as far and as progressive as we want to be and just kind of, you know, keep going in that direction as, as much as we want to, while still having the electronic system and infrastructure in place. So, yeah, yeah it's a problem waiting for other people to update, but because it's like data, we're offering our, our ideas, we're offering our uh, descriptions. And there's, oh, sorry, just resources for college libraries, which is a, <laughs> a place that librarians actually go to find out what to purchase if they're doing collection development or whatever. And they often, that might be something to look at to try to get in there because every editor, and I was the subject editor for dance, we go through and we audit every other year what our subjects are, like sub -sub, you know, sub-subjects. So and how, and the hierarchy, and it, it, it is an ontology. So getting in there somewhere to say, somehow, to say this is, this is the way we're looking at it, and this is the way you, too, could look at this. So, um, yeah, you might want to look at that as part of ALA. Okay. Yeah. We'll look at it before the conference. <laughs> Any other questions? Yes. We were talking about Library of Congress a little bit, and I was wondering, uh, just flipping it a little bit onto Wikipedia, have you, um, like, they have lots of rules, as you were describing, right, like on how like how to participate there, and one of the rules that they have is around notability, and I was wondering if you've had to, had, yeah, like, if that has come up in, at all in your project, and, and, and how you kind of, how you, how you respond to it, like, have you found good ways to respond to it? Yeah. Um. I got a phone throw. <laughs> it got a phone throw and some dupes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so um, how we deal with the problem of notability on Wiki. Oh, yeah. So um, we're funded by the Wikimedia Foundation and a Wikipedia affiliate. Um, so I think one is connecting in person to people who hold some weight in the community is good. Um, and I'll re-explain this for the edit-a-thon if we have new people, but basically, um, the people make the rules and because um, wiki is ever evolving and there's always evolving editorship 
the rules are also always evolving, but it does it is bureaucratic and um, so for example, with visual artists biograph biographies, the rule in basically is that they have two major solo museum shows, uh, a spattering of private or public collections, um, and at least five, if not definitely more, of notable uh, citations. So that's like national, international newspapers, educational textbooks, or monographs from museums, etc. Um, obviously that leaves out performance artists, land artists, a lot of vernacular self-taught artists, not to mention, you know, a lot of institutionally racist, um, you know, boundaries that it, go ahead. Um, so what we basically have assessed is in making these rules, you know, they're trying to make an encyclopedia that people can go to and look for facts. And if every college kid was putting their own bios up, then that would start to disrupt that goal. Um, what their goal is, I think, what we've assessed is that they're looking for mid-career artists. And so we're just trying to keep that goal in mind and putting forth the most information we can with that goal in mind. Mm -hmm. So, for example, I made an article for um, Dr. Charles Smith, who'd been working for decades um, as a self-taught vernacular artist. Um, he's in one pub or two public collections, but he hadn't had a monograph. Um, he had had a museum show, but only at one institution, I believe. Um, and had been in a couple of group shows. Um, and other than that, it was primarily local newspaper coverage. And we find that a lot, local newspaper coverage. Um, and then talking about, you know, the collections being collected by, you know, nobody um, except for uh, HBCUs or something like that before a certain date. Um, so I wrote the article basically instead of the five uh, required texts, I put 20. Even if they're all like local newspapers, uh -huh. I'm just gonna put forth as much as I can. There have been times where I just, I can't put enough uh, on the page to stabilize the article. But I think in general, our philosophy is to be bold. So if somebody wants to add somebody who seems marginal, um, then we're gonna help and fight as much as we can to try to keep that person in there. Um, and you know, a lot of that also um, appears with international artists and things that are lost in translation. Um, there's a lot of people that love, like, I think, there's a lot of ways to enter Wikipedia. There's editing, there's photographs. There's also, like, marking things for deletion. <laughs> so yeah. some people just love that part of Wikipedia. Um, and, and so when that stuff happens, people might come to us and we will rally folks to try to beef up the article and combat in comments because everything is arbitrated. Mm -hmm. um, that's a long story long, but yes. Yeah, no, that's, that's very helpful. <laughs> it happens every now and then. And I think because we're dealing with primarily living artists that that kind of notability changes and evolves over time. So if somebody gets an article deleted in the beginning or if somebody doesn't have enough to write about something mm -hmm. that's published, um, wait a couple of years and that might change. Um, kind of related, I did have a question about self-authorship, mainly mm -hmm. because um, our class at New Workshop, we 
it was called the digital and the black radical imagination. We like identified self-authorship as one of the ways that you can exude the black radical imagination. But anyway, I was wondering if you all had any strategies for pushback against, um, or strategies for when people push back against your self-authorship. So I know you were saying like, for the Wikipedia articles, you rally people to think up the articles so they don't get deleted. Are there other things that you do? Um, well, let's, I'm, I'm gonna take your question literally first, <laughs> I guess. Well, it could fractal in many different directions, but um, so one of the uh, rules for Wikipedia, for those of you who don't know, is um, no conflict of interest. So that means you can't walk in and, and write your own page. We get a lot of that, especially dealing with artists. So they're like, okay, I've got my stuff. I'm ready to write my Wikipedia page. Uh, yeah, I'm going to get my gallery to write a Wikipedia page. So that's illegal. And it's just basically, you know, to keep it a neutral point of, you know, source, um, thinking about it as an encyclopedia. Um, but one of the ways that we've gotten around, not around, but one of the ways we dealt with that frequently is asking those artists to come to an edit-a-thon or a meetup with maybe their CV or resume and they swap it with people. So I have like a living room meetup, six people come, they all trade around, they don't necessarily know each other. Um, and then that CV acts as a jumping off point for research that that person will then do and write an article for that person. So that's worked really well for us in the past and it completely follows all of the rules, you know. Um, yeah. Or, yeah, or at edit people are like, oh, so what should I do? I have this request from this person that I know, or I work with. <laughs> or have Instagram, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, they want this and this change on their page. Can you do some more research on them and like, you know, can you get the, the grammar or you know, change the state or whatever? Um, but yeah, so you can't worry about yourself. Um, but as far as like self-authorship more generally, like what? Is there, is there oh yeah, manager? there's probably a broader actual question that you were intending. Sorry. Oh no, I think you answered it. Okay. But I also was interested how I think on your website it talks about like this project of self authorship, oh, like, yeah. um, defining the self. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we were also, I mean, defining what our project is. It's, a lot of things. <laughs> Every once in a while we get together and we're like, okay, what is in it? Um, but we were talking about how as like an interview project or as an audio, as an oral history project, it's unique in that it's not just one-on-one -on -one interviews or it's mm -hmm. not uh, uh, unidirectional interviews. It's yeah. not, and it's unedited. Mm -hmm. And it's unedited too. So it's a conversation amongst people from a particular community talking about specific issues. Um, and they're kind of collectively shaping the narrative around that issue. Or, you know, if you heard this conversation about the show of Rita Carava's work at the Art Institute, and do you remember what that was like? And do you remember this? And do you remember that? And talking about how that history is. Um, so, I mean, I think we're thinking of that as being an important part of writing this larger history of contemporary art in addition to, or in order to change the dominant narrative, right? Yeah, and I think, I mean, there's a lot of different choices that we've made with the project around that. I think also, you know, 
when we do roundtables, we always keep the tables at a maximum of like six people because in social theory it says that if there's more, it tends to split into two conversations where one person's lecturing everyone. So that's another way that um, I think, like in general, it, it um, the, the goal is to have some sort of control over your voice when it's unedited. Um, and I think loosely, you know, self-authorship to me also can be me and my folk, you know. I can um, contribute to, you know, their record via my perception and vice versa. Um, yeah. Less authoritarian, I guess. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for your talk. Um, have you had any interaction with artists working in the creative placemaking movement? And I'm asking that question so uh, because the community roundtables seem like the kind of vehicle creative placemaking would work, would use to figure out what to do. do are you familiar with the group? With, like, as in a proper noun. I don't know a proper noun. Yeah, yeah, so creative placemaking, it, it's, it, um, so I'm not an expert on it's um It seems to exist as an organization that has regional conferences um, and has some ability to tap into um, modest grant monies. Um, and the idea is to work with artists in the community, well, to work with community members and to foster art and artists in the community to um, make improvements to the community that the local community wants. So it, it in a sense, tries to operate as an anti-gentrification sort of um, operation. It's very, it's hyper-local. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. But it has a kind of, um, you know, nationwide organization. It started out from a white paper that, you know, just circulated um, on the web for a while. Um, but it, you know, it, it sounds, very much in the same spirit of what you're, what you are doing. So that's why I asked the question. Yeah, I feel like um, for me, um, the place making in a, in a lowercase word, I guess, in general, um, has been problematic to me. And my, my my practice is very much aligned with like social.